You've probably seen our featured speaker today um, on the news at least a little bit lately. Like every 30 minutes or so, is that how we're saying it? Yeah. Um, Brandon Johnson began his career as a public school teacher in Cabrini-Green on the west side of Chicago. Now you know what I was waiting on. Nobody even said it. There we go. I was like, Christian, my cousin, you're going to leave me out there, are you? <laughs> and somebody's out there throwing up W's. Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> that too. <laughs> then he became an organizer with Chicago Teachers Union. You know, when CTU is in the room, you have to give them time to get theirs out, right? In 2018, he was elected commissioner of the first district of Cook County. It's a commissioner for Cook County. He is the son of a preacher. Man, that should have been his walk-up music, Chantel. Son of a preacher, man. Right, um, but the middle child in a family of 10. Brand yeah, right? Brandon and his wife, Stacy, live in the Austin community, and they're raising their three children. Of all of the things that I think he's going to discuss today, and we know that we're going to hear some interesting things over the next 72 hours here at the City Club, I think the most important thing is that today is his birthday. So I would do the happy birthday song, but kind of doesn't like that one. So I will not do that one. But... Without further ado, I would like to bring up to the podium Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much. Reminds me of first period when I would teach. People would just applaud. But they didn't have much money, so I want you to throw money at me, too, while you're there. It's truly my honor to be with you all this afternoon. I really wish when I was teaching, Madam President, that we had a gong and a DJ when we were in the classroom. There is a gentleman here that introduced himself. His name is Jim Franzik. Apparently, he's looking for references. Sorry, Jim, I had to do that. That one's for Karen Lewis. <laughs> oh, y'all better loosen up. <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you, for being here today. Because this is, of course, a very incredible place, the Chicago City Club for sure, whose luminaries include Harold Ickes, Charles Miriam, and Jane Adams, leaders who have transformed this city. This venue is hollow ground for presentation of ideas that ultimately have defined this city for decades. And that's why I've asked for the opportunity to take a little bit more time today to distill to this august audience my vision for this city, our fair city, freaking Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> for starters, can I just say that this is such an incredible city, though? From Lincoln Park to Humble Park, from Jefferson Park to Garfield Park, 
We haven't really talked enough about how incredible this city is during this campaign because the focus has been on the obvious, the immense challenges we face, and we'll get there. But I want to start by reflecting on how amazing our city really is. Because Chicago is an incredible tapestry of taste and cultures and people like nowhere else in the world. It's not just about hot dogs, the beef, or the pizza. Sorry to all of you vegans. I'll give you a recognition at some other point in my political career. But it's really about the neighborhoods, the history, the traditions built right here. The way the sun sets behind the incredible skyline and the way it sinks into the lake. But here's something I truly believe, and it's something you need to understand about what would drive me as the mayor of the city of this great city. I sincerely believe that Chicago's most precious asset, what truly makes us the greatest city in the world, it's our extraordinary people. The people teaching in our classrooms, driving our buses, caring for us in our hospitals, building our skyscrapers, growing the businesses of today, and creating the enterprises for tomorrow. That is the strength of Chicago, all of its people, in every neighborhood. And Chicago is at its best when we have a leader that can actually bring us all together to tackle the challenges that have defined this election. So let's get to those challenges. Here's the truth. We need that type of leadership today. Someone who is prepared to bring all of our interests together. Because over the past several decades, the challenges we face have become more entrenched and more devastating. Let's start with our city's structural deficit. Every year, the city's projected spending is greater than its projected revenue. In four years, that gap is expected to grow over $1 billion. To make ends meet, administration after administration have pursued a terrible trifecta. First, complicated and costly financial schemes, high interest loans, asset sell-offs, or short-sighted pension holidays that have only widened our deficit. In fact, right now, roughly 20 cents of every tax dollar we pay in the city of Chicago is going to debt repayment and interest payments. Our public employees pension fund is only 50% funded with thousands of hard-earned retirements hanging in the balance. Second, a toxic multi-billion dollar mix of property tax, fine and fee increases that have driven tens of thousands of middle-class and working-class Chicagoans out of the city. Let me give you an example. From 2011 to 2019, our annualized taxes increased by $1.2 billion, almost exclusively via increases in property taxes, fines, and fees. And finally, painful budget cuts, which means closed schools, mental health facilities, unreliable transportation, and a city that is unsafe. Right now, Chicago has the highest homicide numbers 
of any city in the United States. We have one of the lowest clearance rates in the nation, which means we don't solve crimes. And subsequently, violent crime is up 40% from where it was even four years ago. Carjackings have tripled over the last three years, and we're only making arrests in 5% of those. These aren't just numbers on a page. Many of you have heard me talk about my experience raising three children in Austin, one of the most beautiful and one of the most violent neighborhoods in Chicago. You've heard me talk about shielding our children from bullets. It's not just me. Recall meeting a woman who moved to the city of Chicago to pursue her dream as an entrepreneur. She was held up by gunpoint in Hyde Park in the middle of the day. Another story of another hardship because of the financial disparities that exist in this great city. Here's what that disparity looks like in real life. For every $1 of wealth accumulated by white families in Chicago, Latino and black families accumulate eight cents and one cent respectively. That disparity cost the city $8 billion, $8 billion in economic activity. Our city's poverty rate is 50% higher than the national average, and 44% of residents don't earn enough to cover essentials like housing. And that's why there are over 60,000 families in the city of Chicago that are unhoused. It's why the third largest urban economy ranks only 21st in mental health. And now we are all paying the price for these disparities. Downtown Chicago has the sixth lowest rate of business recovery among major U.S. cities. Our office vacancy rate is at an all-time high of 20% with our downtown retail vacancy is even higher. Chicago is still down 100,000 jobs before the pandemic. That's how a structural budget deficit becomes a structural, moral, and economic deficit for the entire city. How does a city with so many gifts, so much beauty, and so much potential find ourselves here? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but it begins with our broken politics. Because our politics are broken, it's why I stand before you today, because the city of Chicago is looking for someone who can fix it. For decades, politicians have offered empty platitudes and the same old tired solutions while ignoring what the data tells us over and over. Our current strategies have failed the people of Chicago. For decades, our politicians have failed and failed and failed again over and over again. They failed to take up the tough challenges that would prevent our city from realizing its greatest potential to ignore what's happening, to fail over and over again, not giving families an opportunity to fulfill the promise of this dream here in America. So what we need to do is tell the truth. We got to work together and let's finally invest in all people. So investing in people, you've heard me say that repeatedly. If you've been to any of my events or watched me do an interview or at a debate, there's one tomorrow again, by the way. 
You've probably heard me say this a lot because I say it everywhere I go. I'm running for mayor to invest in people. I want to talk a little bit about what I mean. I'm running for mayor to invest in people. That's right. I want to talk to you a little bit about what I mean by that. Because it's not just a catchphrase. And you better believe I didn't get it from some poll. Investing in people is the heart of what my campaign has always been about. Here's what it means. If we're serious about addressing the big issues we are facing in our city, the structural deficit, the housing and transportation crisis, the rise of violent crime, we need to ask ourselves, what are the root causes of the problems that we are experiencing? And when we get down to it, the root of the problem is always this. We have neglected our people, which is our greatest asset. If everyone in the city of Chicago had a job that paid well, could reach those jobs with safe and reliable public transportation, saw futures for themselves and their families, and a pathway to home ownership, even starting a business, do you think we'd be facing this epidemic of crime we see now? We wouldn't. So why aren't we doing what works? Why do we continue to refuse to invest in people, not in the Johnson administration? We're going to do what works. If you don't learn anything else today, they've called me a lot of different things. One thing's for sure. I love people. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's about making our city livable again for everyone. By now, most of you know my specific policy proposals to invest in people. If not, go to BrandonForChicago.com. It's still up for a few more days. You will read about the promotion and hiring of detectives, enforcing the consent decree, doubling youth jobs, opening up our mental health centers, improving workforce development, recruiting high growth industries, supporting small business owners with micro grants, housing the unhoused, especially our Chicago public school students and staffing our public transportation system to have real reliability. If you're a real nerd, which I know there's a couple of you in here, you can even read about how I plan to pay for it while eliminating the structural deficit and not raising property taxes, fines, and fees on everyday Chicagoans. Newsflash, everybody. We use a balanced approach of creating new revenue streams, primarily asking wealthy corporations to pay their fair share while coding. Yes while also cutting hundreds of millions of dollars of wasteful spending. In fact, my cost-cutting plan is actually based on a plan that the Chicago Federation of Labor presented to the Lightfoot administration during their early budget talks. The administration, of course, dismissed it because the ideas came from the outside. When I'm mayor, all good ideals will be welcome no matter who proposes them. Every idea will be accepted regardless of who proposes them. And so that's why I put my plan out there for all of you to review. I've said over and over and over again to anyone who will listen that I'm ready and willing to negotiate the details of the plan as long as we can agree on the values. Eliminate the structural deficit. 
invest in Chicago and not raise property taxes. Those are my values. We should not have to negotiate our values. But I'm always willing to negotiate the details. Believe that. Yeah, I know I was raised in a large family with one bathroom. I got mad negotiating skills, trust me. <laughs> Build political alignment with the women in the house. Okay, I'm just telling you. So let's talk about what those real investments look like. There's a program that's run by Rabbi Tamar Manasseh. She's born and raised on the south side. And she runs an organization called Mothers and Men Against Senseless Killings. It's called MASK. She pays young people, most likely to kill or be killed, to learn trade skills like electrical, plumbing, and carpentry. MASK paid them $200 a week as a stipend to go to Revolution Workshop, a trade program right on Lake Street. When they were done, they came back to the community and built a school out of shipping containers in the neighborhood. Mass used the school to provide enrichment to kids and provide meals. Young people in her trade program began to get other jobs, and this kept them alive and on the right track. The investments that I'm talking about, this is an idea that we can accept. It's already happening. It's a matter of exposing more people to these programs and then expanding them. This is what I mean by investing in people. But let me just get to it, you all. Investing in people, as you know, is the heart of my campaign. Because I've seen what disinvestment looks like. I was, again, one of 10 children in a working class family. I talk about my early life with a focus of seeing the inequality. And that's why I became a teacher. Cabrini Green USA. Hmm. Who could see a world they could not be a part of. Do you understand how damaging that is to someone's psyche? When you can see and hear and feel the wealth of the world and you can't access it. There's a student that I think about all the time. It's personal to me. Tajma knew quality, but did not believe she deserved it. No one should be too poor living living in one of the richest cities in one of the wealthiest countries at the richest time in the history of the world. There's enough for everybody, Chicago. That's why I became an organizer, fighting for fully funded education, and then, of course, a Cook County Commissioner. And here's what I was able to accomplish as a Cook County Commissioner. We worked with our colleagues. We brought people together. We increased funding for violence prevention, We increase access to housing for the formerly incarcerated. We increase access to health care. We've helped work to pass a multi-billion dollar budget that was balanced with key investments without raising property taxes. If you don't know by now, put a teacher in charge of the executive office and I can show you a well-functioning body of government. (laughs) At every level, I've been a collaborator. Bringing people together to deliver real results. It's not the case for the person who wants this seat. And yet there is still so much to do to dig us up out of this hole we are in. And that again is why I'm running to become the mayor of the city of Chicago. To get past these failed politics of old. And no one exemplifies exemplifies 
the failures that got us here more than my opponent. Paul Vallis, who has been failing this city and many other cities for 30 years. For 30 years he has failed. In 1995, he was the head of the Chicago Public Schools. He went to Springfield, worked with Republicans to overturn a law protecting public employee pension funds. He took money meant for the pension fund and used it to plug his budget hole. For a while, his reckless actions seemed fine because the economy was great and the stock market was rising. But then the market came crashing down. And the Paul Vallis budgetary wizardry was revealed for what it is a dangerous trick that kicked the can down the road and left us all holding the bill. $2.5 billion in incremental property taxes, to be exact. He went to Philly and embarked upon one of the biggest school privatization experiments in the modern history of the United States. Dropout rates remained sky high, while he ran the Philly schools. And by the end, he had created an $80 million budget deficit that he admitted he had no idea how to fix. His boss, the mayor of Philadelphia, once said that Paul has never seen a dollar he wasn't willing to spend three times. Paul did make sure to reward his cronies, though, with no big contracts, and take massive bonuses for himself, his staff, while he was laying off teachers. Wait, there's more. After he ran out of Philadelphia, Paul jumped to the Recovery Schools District in New Orleans, and he privatized two-thirds of the school district. And it is now one of the most inequitable districts in America. His performance was so bad that officials and residents from New Orleans and Philadelphia have flocked to Chicago to warn us not to make the same mistake again. Paul wants everyone to believe he is a budget guru. But the truth is, he has failed over and over again managing budgets in every job that he has ever had. Now he's a budget guru with three sentences on his website on how he deal with the structural deficit. Madam President, I would call that incomplete work, to say the least. Let a student turn in an assignment with three freaking sentences on it. I don't know a teacher in here that would accept that as completed work, and neither should the city of Chicago. (laughs) Four years ago, He was honest about his budget plan. He said he was going to raise property taxes by $250 million. And then he came in ninth place. So I guess he learned it ain't so good telling the truth. And yet, despite all of the failures and the untruths, Paul is asking for a promotion. The truth is, we all know someone like Paul Vallis. Someone who has failed over and over again in every job that they've ever had. But somehow, 
they get to fail up. We can't let Paul fail up again because the stakes really are too high. Now, you've heard many things about me in this election. So I want to make sure that this presentation is fair and balanced. Because the people benefiting from the politics of old, they want things to stay how they are. The wealthy Trump donors who don't care if our schools are underfunded or closed as long as they get their tax breaks. They have given Paul all the money he needs to re to to misrepresent my record. For example, he said that I would create a city income tax. It's not true. I put out a budget plan in January on my website for everyone to see so that we can have a real discussion about the best way moving forward. Not one word about a city income tax. Transparency is the first step to getting to the right solutions, but it requires honesty and courage. That's why Paul Vallis has lied about my plan, because he's unwilling to tell us what he'll do. The good news, though, is we already know, based upon his record, higher property taxes on the back of the middle class and working class. That is his plan. The city needs revenue. The question is just who pays? And Paul needs the middle class and working class people to pay so that his donors can make good on their investment in his campaign. I do believe the wealthy should pay their fair share, just like all Democrats do. <laughs> President Joe Biden and even Governor J.B. Pritzker, that's the choice in this election. Someone who believes in the wealthy paying their fair share versus someone believing that we should balance our budget off the backs of working class people. Here's another thing he keeps talking about. He continues to talk about defunding the police. He knows it's not true. There are over 3,000 words on my website outlining my approach to public safety for anyone to read. I wouldn't reduce the, the CPD budget one penny. But let me keep repeating this. I'm not going to defund the police. Paul Vallis is lying. He's lied about everything else. So no one should be a, should be a surprise to anyone. But again, this is what Republicans do. Republicans said that Governor Pritzker was going to defund the police. Republicans said... That, that President Biden was going to defund the police. It's a lie. It's a scare tactic. But I'm confident that hope will outweigh fear any day. I'll take my chances with hope. Here's what I do call for. It's about making smart investments, promoting and hiring and training detectives, enforcing the consent decree, enforcing the red flag laws, and in accordance, in accordance with the consent decree, I'll hire a police superintendent that will commission an independent staffing study on how to make the absolute best use of the law enforcement resources that we have today. Communities like mine cannot wait 10 years for safety. But when you turn on the TV, you see ad after ad saying it. Why? It's because the politics of old is all that Paul knows. For decades, politicians in Chicago have won elections by telling people what they think they want to hear. Paul knows that you can't fill 1,600 police officer vacancies in Chicago, not overnight, when the entire country is trying to find and recruit officers. Can we afford to wait for 1,600 vacancies when you live in Austin, where within the last four years there are more homicides in my neighborhood than the entire North Shore combined? I wake up to violence every single day. 
Don't tell me that our safety comes down to a doggone hashtag. It's racist and it's ridiculous. The most important issue facing Chicago. The most important issue facing Chicago. Paul has taken the same strategy to public safety that is ta- that he's taken to the budget. Instead of instead of presenting a realistic plan, he's misleading the public. And listen, you don't have to take my word for it. Former CPD chief of staff Tom Needham called Paul's plan uninformed naive, and dishonest. One of the most important issues facing Chicago, Paul is uninformed, naive, and dishonest. Think about that. The truth is, politicians say things like this because it's the easiest way to win. Praying on fears and making empty promises. They tell us we have to choose between toughness and compassion. But that's never, ever been true. And we're always worse off when we believe them. Because the truth is, those are all false choices. But here's the truth. We can address the crisis in the short term and make meaningful investments in the long term. The truth is, we can create jobs, fully fund schools, invest in people. That's the best way for a true, safe city of Chicago to exist. Because the only way to bring down crime is to reduce the amount of desperation in our city. Right now, we need to bring our whole city together to address the shared challenges that our city faces. But I trust Chicago, y'all. I really do. I do. We aren't going to make this same mistake again. Not now. And I want to be very clear because this is shaping up to be one of the closest mayoral elections that Chicago has ever seen. There are a lot of people supporting my opponent in this election who will be critical to making sure that Chicago is the best city we can be. Some of you are in the, some of you are in this room right now. I ain't mad at you for supporting Paul. Just know I'm calling you April 5th. Yeah. <laughs> so I will be reaching out to you. I have three rich friends. I need a few more. <laughs> I need a lot more, actually. I'll be reaching out so much you're going to get sick of me. Do you know I grew up in a house? I just want all the rich people to know something about me. I grew up in a house where we were told no all the time. That's the word we heard right before we asked again. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Everyone, I mean everyone, who can help this city live up to its potential will have a seat at the table when I'm mayor. Everyone. Businesses, labor, community, everyone. We have to do it together, you all. This multicultural, multi-generational movement that has propelled me into this remarkable position to lead one of the greatest cities ever known in the history of the world. This election is about a choice between the stale, broken status quo, the politics that have made life so miserable for people, and a new political collaboration that is built around unity and understanding between a government by the few and a government for the many, between a a tale of two cities and a Chicago for all. The stakes are high. But again, it doesn't matter where you live in this city. 
no matter what economic status you're in. I know this city can come together and be a remarkable testament, not just for this generation, but for the generation that has come. On April 4th, it's not a coincidence. This is the day that we will recognize one of the greatest humanitarians to ever walk the planet Earth. And he set up shop on the west side of the city of Chicago. And yes, he was discouraged at one point while he was here, trying to build this rainbow coalition. He had a dream that one day that every single stripe could come together to solve the critical problems. And when he came to Chicago, he said, there's no place like it. He said, there's no place like it. He had been to the deep south where our people were murdered for this day. But he said that if we can figure it out in Chicago, we can do it anywhere in the world. I'm counting on you, Chicago. Let's live out the dream and the full manifestation of our ancestors. It doesn't matter where you come from. It only matters where we're going. And if we want a better, safer, stronger Chicago, I'm your man. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's build a stronger Chicago, you all. A stronger Chicago. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. I'll let you take a second to catch your breath. Thank you, sir. We've got all sorts of questions. I Sorry to say I don't know that we can more, but if you have them, please send them up. Um, I've got a few I'll, I'll, um, I'll start with, but I'll let you take, take a breath. Sorry, and, uh, and it's, it's my allergies. I wasn't about to cry. It was the wind coming in my face. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. Uh, did you ever think that you'd be spending your birthday at the City Club of Chicago? Oh, yes. I as, planned this years ago. As, you didn't know <laughs> We did. It worked out. How do the 10 brothers and sisters feel about this? You know, the best part about having a a large family, it's the best accountability structure you can ever have. Because there's a text thread, which I pray no one from the press ever foils it. Because you're going to ruin marriages. Trust me, there's some really bad things in there. So, no, they keep me accountable, right? And not in the I got your point, but more or less we got you. We're going to hold you up. So... Um, I'm grateful to have a dynamic family. Thank you. Good, good. Well, we're, we're glad to have you here on this important day. Um, I've got a whole host of questions, and they, they are on all sorts of topics. Um, I'm going to start with one because Frances Cow is our, our board member at City Club. So uh, not only is she a member, but a board, member of the Board of Governors. Um, what ideas will you have to help developers build affordable housing Um and, and even with low-priced land, building costs are often exceeding $300 a square foot. So how can you help developers build affordable housing? Well, it's, first of all, it's essential. And, of course, I've already made reference to Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. You all know why he was here on this very topic of this issue. This is why I believe that collaboration is important at every level of government. And I have support from every level of government, federal, state, county, local, It's going to require all of our resources to come together collectively 
Now, it's an incredible opportunity because we have so much vacancy in the city of Chicago, abandonment. And so the city and the county have an incredible opportunity to do three things. One, workforce development so that we have a trained workforce, particularly within our black, brown community, starting as early as third and fourth grade, exposing our children to the trades, right? The adults who are prepared and willing to work now, let's fast track their ability to actually help develop the property and the land so we can save costs just by making sure we have a a well-funded workforce development operation. But here's what I would ask, not just to make sure that we are providing the land and the opportunity through the county and through the state. Sorry, Madam President, I know I'm kind of moving fast. Um, but, But because I know that there is a real eagerness to collaborate, particularly on the vacancy, by having workforce, by having the vacancy, by having the need, it creates an opportunity for us not only just to develop workers, but to give developers an opportunity to actually have real projects. But here's the one caveat. We need to incentivize home ownership. Home ownership. And what, that, what I mean by that, we have to give working class people down payment assistance so that they can actually afford the ability to get onto a pathway to generational wealth. And by doing that, we create real infrastructure and stability economically within these very communities that are really needing these type of investments. Because in order to have a safe, thriving community, you have to have the availability of land and property. And so the developers will have a real opportunity under my administration to sell multiple properties with one caveat, caveat though. You got to incentivize the, the, the pricing of those homes. I'll give you one quick example. When my wife and I purchased our first home, we had a combined income of $80,000 with six degrees. We were the richest people in our family. We needed two government programs to help us have down payment. And now we are on the pathway to generational wealth on a pathway. I don't want to make anybody, you know, think that somehow that I'm already there. I'm just saying it's a pathway. It's a long path, but it's a pathway. You're putting in the time and effort for sure. (laughs) And speaking of the county board, uh, the the workforce, I think it's important to notice, obviously, um, President Preckwinkle is here and and Jackie Robinson Ivy uh, helps head that organization. And and the president reminded me also that Commissioner Lowry is here. So I want to acknowledge him because I know that you're all working hard at the county. Y'all give him a hand. Give him a hand. (laughs) Lowry is here. Okay, let's go to Lakeshore Drive. Stella Black, we all know Stella, longtime member here. Uh, are you familiar with the Redefine the Drive project? And if so, what is your opinion regarding it? Do you do you support it? Yeah. So this is a, a, a thank you for this question. This is an example of what I mean by ideas and the desires that people have for the city of Chicago. I'm willing to sit down and listen. Um, What I do know is that the type of development and the type of movement that we need to see in the city of Chicago, Lakeshore Drive, DuSabo Drive plays a part in that. And so, again, I'm serious when I say all ideas at the table, because it's going to take all of us to be able to have the type of ingenuity and the commitment to make sure that our infrastructure in particular, especially around transportation, is really world-class, and I'm glad that State Representative Cam Buckner is supporting my candidacy because this has been a major part of his platform, of which we've embraced a good number of it. Uh, 
let's see a quick one here. This is from Amanda Pyron uh, from the network uh, advocating against domestic violence. What will you do in the first three months as mayor to address gender-based violence in Chicago? Yeah, this has been a real problem in the city of Chicago. And I would just add, if I could, a friendly um, um, sort of addition to that, particularly amongst black trans women as well, where in many cases um, you just have violence and murder. Just it's it goes unsolved. And it has a lot to do with the fact that when it comes to women, and especially black trans women, their lives are not valued. And so for me, this is why it's important that we are affirming um, women and affirming the experiences of black trans women so that the type of bullying, the misogyny that exists within our culture, that we begin to work um, to um, rid ourselves of that type of toxicity in terms of practice. I know there's been a lot of work done at the county level to make sure that services are available 24 hours um, particularly when you are in the midst of a crisis and an emergency. But it really starts with our ability, one, to deter from the very beginning, two, to solve, but three, to make sure that the resources and services are available. The number of families that are unhoused in many instances is directly related to the type of violence that's happening domestically that makes it hard for, for women to be able to, to live and to exist. And so having supportive services, housing, uh, temporary living conditions until um, the, um, these families can can recover and get back uh, to some degree of normalcy, but also making sure that there's mental health support, particularly for the children as well. Um, as I've said before, my parents were foster parents. There's not a situation that I have not been exposed to. Trust me. Um, my parents, they took them all in. And so I have a, it, it, if you all are picking up on the, the social IQ um, that I have, it has a lot to do with our parents placing us in circumstances as servants to be non-judgmental, but most importantly, to figure out whatever we got to do to make sure that their life is secure and we're setting them up um, to live healthy, strong lives. You're going to have a mayor that really does love people, and you can thank my parents for that. That's neat. I, I want to mention, Shara, that you, right after I read that question, I read yours, which was very similar. So um, Shara Vett from the um, Chicago Children's Advocacy Center doing some great work. Um, and, and you mentioned mental health. I know it's been, it, it's been brought up very often in this campaign, but, but really in the city and in, in the country, we've had, we had the uh, Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, was here a few months ago with After School Matters talking about mental health. We have a couple of other panels at the University of Chicago. It's something that we're excited it, it, to actually address. It's not, it's, not a, um, it's not an issue that is necessarily fun to talk about, but it's necessary, right? Uh, and one thing that I've been asking as I've, I've met different leaders how do you deal with your own mental health? I mean, you've been, you, now that we're talking about it, right, you have been on the road, you've been having people tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you're doing wrong, how great you are, how horrible you are. That can't be, that can't be easy. How, how are you holding up in all of this, uh, especially these last few weeks and, and, and next week? So thank you for telling on my Aunt Minnie, because that's pretty much what she does. She calls me. Uh, yeah, and sorry, Aunt Minnie, I didn't mean to tell on you, but you got to stop blowing my phone up. Okay? <laughs> I really do. It's so bogus. That I, um, 
you know, I try to keep it simple and thank you for acknowledging the fact that, you know, when you're, when you are running citywide, everyone gets a chance to take a peek into your life. And when they peek into your life, they make judgments about you. You know, the cool thing though, about being raised in a very large family. And I mean this with all sincerity, there's nothing that you all could ever say that's going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> I want you to know that I take mental health seriously. I'm so you'll saying, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the worst things ever said to me were by my grandmother, and she loved me. And half the time, she didn't even know it was me she was talking to. It was so many of us. Um, but, but what I have found, you know, as strength is, there is a woman um, who emptied out um, the last bit of what she had in her checking account from her Social Security she contributed $7 to my candidacy. Another woman who saved up $300 from her social security because she just believes in, in our work. And so I really do lean on other people. I know it's going to sound super religious, but you know, I've learned to lean on other people to gain strength and sanity because of course, yeah, people say words that can be harsh but most of the people that I'm surrounded by, even people who may not agree with me, you know, the type of encouragement that I get throughout the day, you know, random people coming up to you and clapping and saying they're voting for you and they appreciate your message. Of course, um, I did take the advice of Dr. Timuel Black. I met him at one of the spots in Hyde Park. I had just started organizing for the Chicago Teachers Union. And he looked at me, he said, man, you got this scowl on your face. Why are you so intense, brother? He said, look, the problems were here before you. They're here now, and you're probably not going to solve all of them. He said, find some good music, get you a cigar, and something good to drink. So I find good music. I don't smoke. And this is why sometimes on a rough day, I'll have a nice can of Coca-Cola. <laughs> So you're not suggesting cigars for our next event I'm in, saying in the patio? I know the outgoing administration believes in cigars and cognac, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> we'll keep the music going, right, Chantal? How about that? Um, and uh, real quick, Rufus uh, Williams, it, it sounds, uh, sounds like I think. Where did I just see Rufus? So he's got a show tomorrow. Is it tomorrow at 6 o'clock dedicated to mental health for black men? Uh, is that, that's correct, right? On WVON, okay. We try not to do commercials, but very timely topic. And Rufus, a great friend of the City Club, so I'm glad. Uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. It's, it's an important topic. As are 30 other important topics here. Um, how are we doing on time? Uh, I got a couple minutes. Can we just go political for a minute? Sure, how um, Ashvin Ladd? Um, Char, let me see. Hang on, I got a couple different questions here. Um, getting out the vote. I'll find out who's asking and, and if there's any more specific. But how do you plan to get out to get out the vote? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I mean, when it comes to getting out the vote, this is the part that I'm actually most excited about. I mean, there are literally thousands of volunteers in our campaign. Volunteers. February 28th, I believe, that evening, our volunteer um, apparatus within our website crashed because we had that many people sign up. I think we've act actually had to do it two or three different times 
just to be able to hold the volume of people. I don't want to discourage you all from volunteering. We still need more. Um, but we're going to get people off the vote because we're knocking on doors. Look, I'm an organizer. That's where, you know, I've developed my political chops. It's how I'm going to lead as mayor of the city of Chicago, bringing people together. You know, our message is certainly, it's, I mean, we're breaking through. Um, in, in October, I believe I was polling at 2.7%, Jason. And I think that was 2.3%. He's still traumatized by that. I was polling at 2.3%. No one thought we had a chance. And yet here I be. <laughs> and that was, by the way, from Sherry Runner. I think you probably know Shani, uh, Sherry Runner. So thank you for that question. Um, there was another, you had mentioned the $7, you know, the, the, the donations from, from the folks. But there were a couple questions about, it's obvious, and we know you've been asked it before, a very large majority of the money that's supporting you is from the teachers union. Um, and, and you have addressed it, but if you could take a couple minutes, explain how you plan to handle that with such a large influence coming from one single entity and organization. Yeah, sure. You know, look, I'm happy to be supported by working people in the city of Chicago. I am. But if I could for a second, I think it's important that we actually lift up that it's not just the Chicago Teachers Union that's supporting me. And the, and the reason why I have to lift that up is because, you know, the type of invisibility that happens in our political space is actually, it's why we have the type of gender-based violence. I'm supported by child care workers as well, home health care workers, bus aides, crossing guards. I don't want us to forget that there's an entire SEIU operation and nurses. These are the people who care for people. Now, if the question is about independence, look, I'm going to be the mayor for the city of Chicago for everyone. It's how I got here. And I've said this repeatedly as well, because I think this is a very polite way that you've asked the question. You know, being independent, um, I think there's a stronger way that we can talk about it. It's about being collaborative. Like, I don't, I, I mean, my opponent has relationships with, with forces. I would hope he would be collaborative as well. I would hope, right? And so I have a fiduciary responsibility as the executive of the city of Chicago to make sure that we are protecting the interest of, of taxpayers. That's why I put forth the budget plan. Like, that's how transparent I am. The negotiations have already started with the city of Chicago. And President Parkwick could, could, could share this and same thing with Commissioner Lowry. We have friends who have supported us, who wanted more out of county government. I wish we could have done more. But there comes a point where this is all we can do. And, you know, being able to deliver messages to people who agree with you or disagree with you, I'm really gifted at that. I was born as a middle child. I'm just saying, like, I can, I can be held accountable and I can be responsible. You got your big brother telling you one thing. You got a little brother crying. I'm crying and laughing. It's just a mess in that house. <laughs> this is how good we got at collaborating and working together. Just to preview what, what the job might entail oh, yeah. in the next few because years, here, right? Here's the thing. And listen, I'm not going to be laughing and crying at the same time at city council. I promise you I won't do that. But what I can say is this. When it comes to that question... Our father, we had one goal in our home. Everyone had to leave the house clean. 
It's one bathroom. <laughs> I don't know how y'all going to figure it out, but everybody has to leave the house clean. And what I'm saying is, as the mayor of the city of Chicago, everyone should get what they deserve. No one should lose at the expense of someone else winning. That is my philosophy, and that's how I'm going to approach every negotiation. Thank you for that. Oh, there is our, our signal that I oh, think we're... The, wow, that's great. That the, your final spin on the wheel. Um, oh, there are so many. Um, I'm, how about this? I'm going to ask you one question to address that you're probably not going to love, but then then I think we'll just let you finish up and, okay. and talk about Does that sound good? That works for um, how, This is coming from Victor Salvo. Um, how do you pl- how do you plan to reconcile your very public calls to defund the police against your opponent's inevitable characterization of you being weak on crime? Just an easy, quick one yeah. before we before we tee up for right, goodbye right. comment on your right because once the, the chimes come in, I thought that like <laughs> someone else was going to come in and give me a gift, <laughs> and then you ask this question. That's some bogus setup there. They make you feel all good. I'm doing it. And then you relax. (laughs) And then it's just like, you're going to take the police budget and throw it in the air. No, no, listen. I I understand the characterization of that. I actually do. But if I could, just for about 30 seconds, there have been a host of young people around this country working to work within the confines of our structure. Remember when... President Obama said that if he were to have a son, he would have looked like Trayvon. I'll never forget those words. We know that there is a long history in the city of Chicago and around the country where there is, we say mistrust, but it's far more dramatic than that. It is. The number of lives that have been lost because of police brutality, um, police murder, That affects people differently when that's not your experience. In fact, I would make the argument, because we have not reformed our police department, do you know we have spent almost $1 billion of taxpayer dollars just to deal with the police misconduct? And you talking to people about a hashtag and defund? Because we have not taken the cries of people seriously, the brother said he could not breathe. And I said that I'm not going to defund the police. Wouldn't it just be easy to to believe a black man when he is telling you the truth? Because it can literally save a life. Go and hit them chimes again, sister. I'm getting Uh tired of it. Oh, this is City Club at its finest, right? No questions unanswered. More importantly, what are you having for birthday dinner tonight? Yeah, so, you know, my wife and I, first of all, will be celebrating 25 years of marriage in June. Congrats. That's the feat. You know, we're going to have a big surprise party as mayor of the city of Chicago for our wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. So don't tell anyone. So, um, um, my wife, uh, historically, I don't know if she'll do anything differently tonight, but um, we're really big on uh, the taco salad, which in, in black communities is really not a salad. Mm-hmm. 
but we call it a salad just so that we feel better about it. A little healthier salad. It's just like a salad healthy. Y'all know what that taco salad looked like. <laughs> so it's going to be a nice big taco salad. Today. All right. En- enjoy it. Enjoy it. If there's anything else you want to finish with, I'll, I'll give you a minute. And uh, obviously, we, you know, we love to hear what's at, what's at your heart. Why? Why do you want to be mayor? What? And you don't have to answer just that because you may have some other closing thoughts. But uh, but give us a little bit. Yeah, just first close of all, out. I'm so grateful to have one of the greatest civil rights icon in in our world's history, Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. here with me today. It's really an honor, sir. And you know, Reverend still has a nice fight in him, but I'm able to talk about him. He can't swing back as fast as he used to. Uh, but uh, but uh, you can see that S curl is rocking today, Rev. I love you. Listen, I am, I'm deeply humbled by all of this. I really want the people of Chicago to know the type of leader that you're going to have. I mean, truthfully, you know, for the first time probably in the history of the city of Chicago, you're going to have a mayor that wakes up in one of the most beautiful neighborhoods, but one of the most violent neighborhoods in the entire city. And my neighbors ask me if I'm going to move when I become mayor. This theme that quality is recognizable, but people don't believe they deserve it. That's why I'm running for mayor of the city of Chicago. It is. Because I want to make sure that the quality that we bring to this fight, small businesses, large businesses, I'm going to need corporations to help us hire young people. I am. The last thing that I'll say is (laughs) the Woodlawn Summit a couple of weeks ago. Um, some of you were probably there and it's the 14th annual Woodlawn Summit. And they had these two big billboards of what Woodlawn would look like with investment. And you all have seen these placards before, these quality of life drawings. And they're remarkable to look at. Like this is what our community will look like when we invest in it. But here's something that I've noticed all over the city, whether it's Pilsen, a little village, McKinley Park, Gage Park, Morgan Park, Woodlawn, wherever you see these quality of life plans, you know what you'll never see? You'll never see a jail. No one starts off a quality of life plan with, so here's where we're going to put the jail. Because people recognize that public safety is really about prevention and investment. Would you, would you, would you, rather, would you rather solve a murder? Or prevent a murder. I'm running in this moment to make sure that we all take a collective responsibility. To make sure that we are digging, building, and saving. Saving lives. This is a critical moment, you all. I don't want us to miss it. And it's not just about me. It's not. Really, it isn't. It's about our collective struggle to see the type of Chicago realized. A real world-class city where no one is too poor to live in it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Thanks for your commitment to public service in our city. Good luck in the coming week and weeks. Uh, Members, ladies and gentlemen of the City Club, uh, we did hear you. You've had some great feedback. You're looking for a little more time to network. The bar's open. There's dessert in the back. Please feel free to hang around for the next hour or so and perhaps continue this great conversation.
Thank you. See you all soon. City Club is adjourned. Mecca, if you will do the honors one more time. We'll see you all soon. Thank you, Commissioner.